Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I'm Tom Reed, joined as always by the Hall of Famer, Dave Molinari, and uh, we are we are recording on Friday night. Uh, the Penguins were here in Columbus, and so why not have another Columbus person on the show? We'll have our uh, contributor, hockey contributor, Danny Shirey, along in this third segment to talk about uh, all things Penguins and some of the underlying numbers. He does a great job with the analytics portion of our reporting on the team. Uh, but Dave, uh, I want to get started on this and this thought. This Penguin team has won 14 of 16. Uh, they are, to me, a stone cold lock to make the playoffs. But anyone who watched that game against Ottawa the other night, and maybe have watched several of the other games, including the game in LA where they got uh, the brakes beat off of them. You wonder right now if the stretch of four or five games uh, are some bad habits starting to settle in, or is the team starting to uh, ease up a little bit? The intensity of purpose, the, the attention to detail missing in your eyes, or or is that a concern, or is it just like Tom? It's just it's a five-game stretch. It happens every year. Well, uh, I, there is they've clearly strayed from from the really close attention they paid to the details, you know, that uh, has served them so well for, for most of this season. Uh, frankly, if, uh, if you had told me a couple of weeks ago that they would play the way they have, you know, the past four or five games and uh, still won the majority of them, I would have found that pretty difficult to believe. I think they're very fortunate yeah to have gotten two points out of, out of a, a number of those games. Um, I don't think there's any, any cause for, for panic. Uh, it is an 82 game season and just about every team is going to have a few stretches, you know, over the course of the season where, you know, they're, they're just not in sync. And this one hasn't gone on long enough yet. Uh, you know, as they prepare to play in Columbus, uh, for it to be a cause for concern. But I can assure you that Mike Sullivan and his staff have have noticed, uh, you know, the uh, the way they've strayed from how he wants them to play, and that uh, he will 
know, try and uh, get a course correction uh, before it, it goes on too much longer. Uh, just to, to our point, uh, three of the last four games, uh, they have allowed 40 shot, 40 plus shots. Now, again, they've won three or four of those. So uh, that's, that's certainly, again, the team is uh, trending in the right direction. Uh, again, playing really well overall. Dave, but one of the things that we talked about, even as, as, as uh, uh, Evgeny Malkin started practicing, started doing all those laps, building up his legs, was when this group gets all back together, when all of that offensive talent gets back on the ice at the same time. I, I remember talking about this. Is there a concern that they do maybe uh, – loosen up a little bit because they know they are so good offensively that they can win games that way. Uh, have you seen any of that since Malkin comes back? And again, that's not, we're not just saying this on Malkin. It's just the idea that, ah, uh, the cavalry's here. We've got everyone back together. We've got our stars all in alignment. Now uh, we can take it. We can, we can take it off, uh, off the gas a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it would be a stretch to suggest that it's just a coincidence uh, that they have strayed from, from the details of their game at the same time that they've gotten a number of their top six forwards back, you know, right. Brian Rust and Malkin and Jake Gensel. Um, I think it, it, there's just a natural tendency to, to let up just a little bit, uh, you know, when you have a, an upgraded lineup, when you ha it gives you a little more margin for error. Um, I, I don't think anyone made a conscious decision that, you know, hey, Malkin's back. You know, I don't have right. to back check uh, quite as intensely as I did previously, or maybe I don't have to block that shot because if it goes in, you know, Malkin or Rust or Gensel or Crosby or whoever will get it back at the other end in a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it's just human nature that, you know, when you've had to go so hard for so long that if you think that, uh, you know, your, your lineup is uh, suddenly going to tilt things in your favor, that, that you just won't have the, uh, the intensity uh, and focus that, that you did under under less favorable circumstances. And we talked a couple of weeks ago of the incredible job, I think, and I think you agree that, 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 that Mike Sullivan has done this year, you know, driving this bus when, where there was so much, so much adversity. I think he finds a way at some point to get this back going again, as far as cutting down the, the high danger scoring chances. And again, we can talk to, we can talk to Danny Shirey a little bit later about some of the underlying numbers of what's been going on here in the last couple games. But Dave, I, I don't think this is just a Mike Sullivan issue in Eastern conference. I've, I've been following this game for about 50 years and I'm sure that there's been a, a year here or there where it's been similar to this, but Dave, we are not even out of it. it we're recording on January 21st. And I think the Eastern conference playoffs are set. And I, what I mean by that, I don't mean the seeding. But I mean, I think the eight teams that are above the above the bar right now are going to be the eight teams that are above the bar at the end of the year. The only team I would give a chance to is the Islanders, who are currently are on a seven-two and one run, but they are so far behind. Uh, again, they have games in hand, but they are so far behind in the standings. 
uh, as we st- as we talk right now, they are they are 16 points. Uh, if if my high school math is correct, 16 points behind Boston. That is a huge gap to close over the second half of the year. Your thoughts about what you see in the East right now? Oh, I I agree pretty much with with everything you said. Um, I do think that the eight teams that are currently uh, you know atop the conference are are will be the eight teams that get into the playoffs. I do think that the Islanders. You know, if, if there is a team that's outside the top eight that has a chance to climb into it, the Islanders would be the best bet, but I don't think they're a good bet. Uh, they do have a number of games in hand to make up on just about everybody in the conference. But, you know, that comes with a downside where they're going to be shoehorning a lot of games into a uh, limited amount of time. And, you know, this is a pretty physically demanding game. And at times uh, the Islanders are going to be running on fumes. Uh, so, you know, it, it's good for them in one sense that they have all these games to make up, but uh, you know, the, whether they have the depth to weather the kind of grind that they're going to be going through uh, in the second half of the season, uh, I think it's safe to say that remains to be seen. And I, I'm not uh, entirely convinced that they're capable of of generating points at at the pace they would need to to crack yeah. the top eight. I would say this: if if I'm these teams like the Penguins, uh, the Rangers, uh, the Capitals, all of these teams, I would take every game with the Islanders very seriously because that is a team that has we've seen the last couple of years that causes trouble in the playoffs. And if you can if you can take one more step in burying them, I think it would be a well advised step because we've seen what they can do once they get in. Uh, we're just getting started here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Erod, uh, talk a little bit more about the Eastern Conference situation, and we'll have Danny Shirey on in just a bit. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Podcast, and as mentioned earlier, we'll be joined shortly uh, by Danny Shari, our our uh, fine con- hockey contributor, especially in terms of analytics. We'll have, we'll talk to him about the the Penguins here, just about as they reach midseason. And Dave, right now, I want to continue with a little bit with our conversation, maybe framing it a little bit differently on kind of what's going on in the Eastern Conference. And I can remember last year as the Penguins were charging toward a division title. Uh, this was back when when Taylor was also, when, when, when it was just the three of us doing the show. 
And Taylor and I were like, yeah, I think I think it does matter to win the division. You get you end up getting home ice those first two rounds as long as you're winning. And you were the old sage that said, I've seen this, I've seen this before. Uh, history has shown us that they the Penguins haven't been great at home in the playoffs. So you know, especially when they obviously get knocked out early in, in, in playoffs or don't make it make deep runs. And sure enough, they go ahead and lose two of the three games at home to the Islanders in going out in six games. So again, with the, with the thought of this Eastern conference really kind of already almost settled, so to speak, um, does it, does it matter to you that, that, if, that the Penguins who, who are certainly now in well within striking distance of, of first place, or is it more about getting a favorable first round matchup? And when I say that, we have seen this in the past, not in the Penguins necessarily, but from other teams that start to look at the who they're going to play and say, yes, I want to stay right where I am, or eh, maybe we can lose a couple games here and maybe drop back a spot and not have to play that team. Uh, that was I, The Islanders did that famously a couple years ago when they ended up getting the Panthers in the first round and just mopped up with them in, in six games. Uh, where do you stand right now? Is it, does the division matter again this year, or, or are you, would you think you'd be more in favor of trying to find a good matchup? Um, neither. I, I think the priority should be on playing well going into sure. the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I really don't think it's any more complicated than that. You certainly, uh, if you're the Penguins, you would not intentionally uh, try to avoid winning games so that you don't finish first. You know, there's a, there's nothing wrong with winning a division. You know, that's that's a fine thing. Right. Um, I'm not sure that. I mean, you cited a good example of the the Islanders and the Panthers for you know kind of trying to pick your opponent, but I think sometimes you uh, you ought to be careful what you wish for. Um, because, you know, you might get, uh, get matched against a club that's, that's a whole lot more formidable than, than you envisioned it being. Um, I, I, I think the, the priority just has to be, you know, uh, playing well in general, have, you know, having, uh, complete buy-in from your players on, on the systems that they're supposed to be playing, um. There's very little control o- over being healthy. Uh, perhaps, you know, if it will behoove a, a coach to occasionally rest a player who gets big minutes. Uh, but, you know, it's a physical game. You know, guys are going to get hurt. And, you know, you could uh, have an extremely valuable player get his uh, foot broken blocking a shot with three games left in the regular season. And, you know, there's just, uh, you know, you're going, there's some adversity that, that you just can't avoid. Uh, you know, you have to get lucky. And certainly as the Penguins found out last spring, uh, there's probably nothing more important in the playoffs than having good goaltending. Sure. Um, no matter who you're playing. I mean, they were the better team in, in the Islander series. You know, they, they didn't lose that series because, you know, they finished first or because they lost two of three games at home. They lost it because Tristan Jari had several bad games. And 
if if you don't have at least solid goaltending, it really doesn't matter what your 18 skaters do. So yeah, and which is which is why we won't really judge Tristan Jari, you know, who obviously has played extremely well this season until we see how he fares uh, as the go-to guy in the playoffs. Uh, the first go-round for him in that role probably couldn't have gone much worse. Right. And I will just, uh, to anyone who's out there wondering what, what I was referencing, it was actually to, it was the Islanders just to avoid the marauding Penguins in 2016 when they went on to win the Cup. Uh, the Islanders, I think, rested their starting goalie the last two games, uh, lost their last game for sure, and uh, <laughs> let the Rangers take that first-round beatdown from the Penguins. Uh, they beat uh, the Islanders beat Florida and then ended up losing in the next round. So that 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 theory doesn't necessarily necessarily get you far, especially in a conference right now, Dave. That it really is loaded. It is just there's not going to be many easy outs, uh, no matter what you do and who you play. Uh, I just you know I look at this conference with Carolina, with Florida, with Tampa, even even Toronto. As strange as it seems, I've watched Toronto a couple times. They look more playoff ready than I've I've seen them in the past. They look a little bit more physical. They look like they that the, they've got a lineup that that looks like it could play in the postseason, which it hasn't in the past few years. So I think it's going to be it's going to be fabulous playoff games series once you get in anyway. I I agree, and I I do think that the uh, the Maple Leafs remind me of the of the penguins in, in the recent past uh mm. on at least one level in, uh, in in the sense that i think they might be capable of beating any opponent in a best of seven but i don't think they're capable of doing it four times right but i, but but they just, I don't they have not been able to get out of the first round oh no uh, absolutely they you know they i agree that they look more playoff ready than they have uh, in quite a while, but that bar is set awfully low for them. So, <laughs> uh, 1967 low or whatever that year is, uh, the last time they won the cup. Um, all right, one guy we've talked about, and we've, we've featured him on this show, and 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 fans, anyone, uh, you know, you, you root for stories. You don't root necessarily. In our position, you don't necessarily root for the root for the team, you root for the story. And Evan Rodriguez has been a terrific story this year. I mean, what a season he's had to this point. Uh, uh, but David, as, as we talked about in the first segment, when the, when the guys, the, the, the team started to get healthy, here comes Malcolm, he's playing. And suddenly we look at Evan Rodriguez's scoreline. He doesn't have a point in the last six games. Now, the prior to that, he had five goals in the previous three games. Is that something that, that just like, hey, just keep playing the way you are, or do they, do, are, they, are they going to need him to kind of rediscover his scoring touch? And, and in all of that, have you seen any difference in the way he's playing? Uh, no, not particularly uh, as far as there being any difference. There's, there's a big difference in how he's being used. And yes. I, I think that's contributed, you know, at least in part to the scoring drought he's in. You know, he was extremely effective on the left side of the number one power play. 
But, you know, when Evgeny Malkin came back, then Rodriguez got bumped to the, the second unit. And when they got uh, some of their top six forwards back in the lineup, then, you know, he got bumped out of, you know, off the top two lines. Um, so, you know, as, as his role has changed, you know, so has his offensive output. But I don't have any problem with the way he's playing. If anything, I have more of a, a problem with the, with the way he's being used, particularly on the power play. Um, yeah. I think he really added a valuable dimension uh, with his shot from, from the right or from the left side that, you know, simply hasn't been there since he was taken off that unit. And, you know, not coincidentally, I don't think the unit has been nearly as menacing as it was uh, when he was there. Uh, to your point, uh, just as far as, you, you know, obviously one of the things that he got was great opportunity no matter where he was playing in the lineup. And it just goes without saying, when you get bumped down the lineup, your shifts and your minutes come down. Uh, against Vegas, 14 minutes. Uh, against Ottawa, 10.57. Uh, so, again, this is this this is kind of what Dave's talking about, not getting as much time uh, in, in certain situations not being up as high in the lineup, your minutes come down and it kind of goes without saying that sometimes when you lose opportunity, uh, you lose scoring chances. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Um, uh, staying with- yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't realistic to think he could continue putting right. points at, at the pace he was. Um, so, you know, you, you'd like to see him, uh, get a point or two in the, in the near future. I think that would probably, uh, you know, give him a nice boost of, of confidence, but yeah, as long as he's playing a, you know, a solid two way game, I, I don't think, you know, Evan Rodriguez is, is very high on their list of concerns. No, but it's just, it's, he's had such a nice season. You hope the kid, well, not a kid, he's not a kid, but you, you hope that he can maintain confidence. And he just strikes me as that type of player, Dave, we just got done talking about Toronto and just the need to, to to have a little bit more jam in their game. And I think Rodriguez brings that. He could be a guy that could help you in the playoffs if he if he if he is if he's in form on his game. I think he's a guy that could chip in some some big goals and big moments. I don't know. I don't know if you, you agree with that or I, I just I just like the I like the player. No, I, I do agree. And if they're in a position where they believe they have 12 forwards, you know, who should be playing ahead of him. And if they're correct about that, then they have an awfully good team. If, uh, you know, if he can't, doesn't have a spot in their lineup, I think at this point, you know, there's not much chance of of that being the case. He's, he's too valuable, too versatile. Um, I, yeah, I, I think if, uh, if they accomplish anything in the playoffs this year, I, I think he'll be a significant contributor to it. Yeah. All right. Last, last, last topic in this segment. Uh, end of the game last night. Uh, it was a kind of a chippy game. That's the way Ottawa plays. They're they're you know, rebuilding young team. Uh, the, the the Penguins get the the insurance goal, the empty netter, and Brady Kachuk is just running around looking for a pelt. Um, no, that, that, I got the right Kachuk, right? Brady. Uh, there's so many Kachuks. I can't keep track of them. Brady. Uh, yeah, right? I, I, I don't Matthew think he was in. Yeah. Matthew is in Calgary. 
Mm-hmm. Or am I got it? Do I have them mixed up? I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was Keith or Walt. So <laughs> now I'm going to actually type this in as we're talking here because I don't want to want them to say read your don't even know your league. I want to say I'm pretty sure it's Brady. Uh, but I'll get to my point is I, I can I can type and talk at the same time. I think. Oh, you're just bragging now, Tom. I. I <laughs> Uh, my, it, it is Brady. So at the end of the game, he is just looking for, he's looking to cause problems. He's looking, he looks like he look wants to take some frustration out on somebody. And John Marino, bless his heart, steps in there and says, you know what? This, this aggression will not stand to, to use a line out of the big Lebowski. And he drops his gloves. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? First career fight. Brady Kachuk isn't Ryan Reeves, but he is an ornery, tough customer out of that Kachuk family. And it, it predictably, it went toward Kachuk in the decision. Uh, Marino got up, looked up fine, and after the game, uh, the team presented him with that Viking helmet or whatever the hell they, they give after after every game, after a win. Uh, what were you? What was going through your mind as you as you watched Marino accept the invitation to throw down with Kachuk? Well, I probably my initial thought was that that's not very smart for a guy who went to Harvard. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mar- Marino is not a fighter. There's not fighting in his background. Um, you know, he played college hockey where fights are rare. Uh, I don't know if he ever had one. Uh, at Harvard, but, you know, there's also, you know, uh, a, a mentality in the, in the NHL that, that you are to be respected. If, if you answer the bell, it, do, it exactly. doesn't matter how you fare in the fight as much as it does that, that you're willing to accept it. Um, I think it's safe to assume that, uh, Marino was aware that Kachuk is a much more accomplished fighter than he is, but you know he uh, he was challenged and and he you know a- agreed to go and fortunately he seemed to escape it without any significant injury. You wonder you know how uh, how wise that decision would have looked if he had uh, gotten a fractured orbital or something from uh, you know or a fractured a- hand. Yeah, well, I think the fractured orbital was a lot more of a danger in, in that particular. <laughs> we don't. But, I'm not laughing at him. I'm just laughing at the situation. Yes. Yeah, but uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he, uh, he didn't earn the decision by by any means. But I'm sure he did earn, you know, a measure of respect among, you know, from his teammates and probably even from the senators who surely are aware of uh, how uh, Kachuk is quite comfortable in scraps like that. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. It is such a weird dynamic in the sport that it is a macho game. And for Marino to go ahead and step in there, especially now in hindsight that he, he got came through it fine, uh, full marks to the kid for, for, for standing in there against the kid. I can tell you in the Reed household, my wife is a Penguin fan, and as it's starting, I'm saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And it starts, and I'm like, oh, my God. And he, <laughs> the fight ends. He gets up. Reno's skating the bench. My wife says, what's the big deal? I'm like, well, you're not the one that was in there absorbing those punches. Yeah. He's, he's, she's like, he's fine. I'm like, he's lucky. 
He's lucky to give it again, full marks. It's such a strange game. And I think you're absolutely right in the, in that locker room. Uh, there was a lot of like at a boy, at a boy to stand in there, the pack mentality. Uh, what a sport this, this hockey is. <laughs> when we, when we come back, we'll be joined by Danny Shirey, uh, of DK Pittsburgh sports. So stay with us. podcast and as promised the pride of Gehanna Danny Shirey is back with us I hope you you get to read his his work each week this drive to the net column uh Danny I feel like you've become a reoccurring uh character on on the 66 to 87 podcast much like Jackie Childs in the old Seinfeld uh, uh comedy that everyone couldn't wait until Jackie Childs made another appearance I think fans are very happy that you're back on the show how are you doing I'm uh, doing fantastic, and I really appreciate you guys inviting me back on. Oh, it's 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 always a pleasure to have you on, uh, Danny. You just wrote about Jason Zucker and kind of how he's you know his you know the, the two goals his last game. Uh, you, you really did a nice job with some of the underlying numbers and how that shooting percentage can't <laughs> can't stay the way it was. And then of course, promptly he gets hurt, but he's going to be back at some point. Tell the re- tell our listeners who haven't had a chance to read your story. And again, I, 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 uh, fans should go back and read Danny's story, all of his his, his work in the Drive the Net columns. Uh, what you found out when you looked at his his statistics and underlying numbers, and kind of what maybe we can look forward to when he gets back in the lineup. Yeah, so I I've always been a, a bit of a bigger proponent of Zucker than than many of the Penguins fans have uh, have come to. Um, be with him but uh, you know everybody's saying you know we've been talking for three years now about how well he just needs to start putting the puck on puck in the net and start burying his chances Um, but that that isn't entirely truthful because in the in the 15 games he played when he first came over after being acquired during the 2019-20 season uh, he spent almost the entirety of that time with Sidney Crosby and they performed very well and I, I think it was six goals that he scored in those um, 15 games or, or whatever it might have been. So uh, he saw that success then, and then they obviously had the layoff going into the the postseason when COVID hit and the, the pandemic took over and put everything on pause. But then during that postseason series during against Montreal, I thought he was one of their better skaters during that series when, you know, a lot of those guys looked like it had been six months since they played, which was true. Um, and then last season, he was essentially stapled to Malkin and they were getting cratered when they were out on the ice. They were just hemorrhaging shots from right in front of the net and on the doorstep and even in the high slot. And, you know, Zucker wasn't really putting the puck in the back of the net at a great rate. And he wasn't really generating all that many chances either. But the the biggest thing that I'm seeing this season is that he's actually generating chances at a rate that's on par with his heyday back in Minnesota. 
The only problem is that the puck hasn't been going into the net. And there's been quite a few times where he's either hit the post or he shot it right into the goalie's crest. So like you said a couple of minutes ago, I'm inclined to believe that you know, a guy that's shot over 12% for his entire career isn't going to continue to shoot below 7% the rest of his career. Yeah. But the other big thing that makes me think that the the puck's going to start going in the back of the net for him is that he's been a plus finisher in terms of scoring more goals than expected of him based on the chances he's created throughout his entire career. There's only been two seasons of his career where he actually came in below the the break-even mark in terms of uh, his goals versus expected goals created. So, um, but the other thing to keep in mind too is that he's he's a thirty year old winger and he's he's dealt with quite a few injuries now in his time with mm -hmm. Pittsburgh too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily sitting here and and holding out hope that he's ever going to become a five and a half million dollar player. But I do think that once the goals start to come, that's going to go a long way and probably even alleviate the need for the Penguins to look into finding some sort of scoring depth for the middle of their lineup. Uh, Danny, Malkin has been back for about a week and a half now. Uh, what do you make of his performance to this point? And uh, what kind of impact has he had on on the team's performance, I guess, specifically uh, his lines performance. Yeah. So I, I think that he's kind of going through the, the same process that Crosby did when he first came back and, and got back into the lineup and is, is still getting his feel for things. Um, but that being said, he still had on full display his, his skill and, and offensive capability. Um, but we've also seen the, the defensive side of the puck too. And, and, Quite frankly, the the Penguins have been playing some extremely high event hockey with Malkin out on the ice at 5v5. Uh, they're generating around 3.3 expected goals for per hour at 5v5, which is almost exactly the same as what they're generating with Crosby on the ice. Um, but in turn, they're pretty much giving it right back on the defensive side. And I don't know that it's so much that uh, Malkin's, you know, been out of position or is is making egregious reads. Um, I think it's just a, a combination of him kind of get ba getting back into into game flow. And that's something that, you know, took Crosby well over a month, even though, you know, he started to put up the points. It, it really took quite a while until you were like, OK, he's looking comfortable out there and, and we can see that he's trying the things that we know he's capable of. So. Um, but the other thing I've been super encouraged with about Malkin is that two of his three goals that he's scored so far in his, since his return have come right on the doorstep at the front of the net. And, you know, we know how capable he is of, of firing the puck to the back of the net from anywhere on the ice, but his willingness to get to the front of the net and actually create those chances for himself has been pretty monumental. So um, it's, it's probably going to take a while for, for things to really settle in for him, but uh Things have been uh, pretty status quo and, and probably gone about as you would expect so far. Uh, we're, we're reaching the midway point here of the season as far as number of games played. Uh, Danny, when you, when, you, when you dig into the underlying numbers, uh, what has stood out about you, this has stood out about this team to you, whether from an individual standpoint, players that have been performing really well, or maybe from a team standpoint uh, that may give us a little bit of clue what we can expect down the stretch well on the team level i've i 
legitimately believe that this is a, a team that can at least contend for a Stanley Cup this year, and that's because they've been generating offense among the league's best, but they've also been great at insulating their own end and, and keeping the opponents away from uh, the crease and the, and the slot area, and that has kind of tapered off here over the past couple of weeks. Um, and, and no, it, it does not have to do solely with Malkin. <laughs> the, the, the Crosby line hasn't been as great defensively in, in recent weeks either. Um, but they're they're a top five team at, at both ends of the ice. And, you know, with the way Tristan Jari he has been playing, I'm not so sure that, you know, he'll keep up this the torrid pace that he was on, you know, maybe a month ago. But if he can, at least, we've been saying forever that if the Penguins can get average goaltending, this is a team that contend, can contend. And, you know, he's given them that and then some so far. So I'm inclined to believe that he can at least keep his head above water down the stretch. Um, but we've also seen that the Penguins are, are starting to find that finishing touch that, you know, everybody was clamoring for when they were going through a bunch of shootout losses and couldn't find the back of the net, even though they were generating those chances. So we, we know this team has the high end talent to put the puck in the back of the net and just trickling down their lineup. Everybody knows their role and they they play the game the right way, like Mike Sullivan always likes to say. And, uh, you know, they've really just accepted their roles. And even on an individual level, they're squeezing a ton of value out of guys like Danton Heinen, Evan Rodriguez. And even though it might not be as squeezing as much value out of him because he's playing on the third pairing, Mike Matheson is legitimately having a brilliant season this year. And the Penguins have been able to insulate him in an environment that caters to his strengths. Uh, you know, now that he's playing with third and, and fourth line, um, teammates rather than you know playing at the top of the lineup it allows him to utilize his skill set a little bit more and and move the puck and, and get his feet moving to transition the puck and even get a little bit more active in the offensive zone because when you've got Crosby and Gensel out there it's going to be a different story than when you've got Brian Boyle and, and Teddy Bluger out there so I've been extremely encouraged just top to bottom with this team and and I have no reason to believe that come playoff time that this isn't a team that can't make a run. Uh, Danny, I've noticed that some of the top 10 face-off teams in the league are teams that are most likely going to miss the playoffs. Uh, is there any sort of analytical evidence of a type of face-off that correlates to a team's success? Uh, so you know, there, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's not necessarily, you know, one type of face-off that's going to correlate to a team's success or lack thereof. Um, but I, I think it just comes down to hyper-focusing on the really important face-offs. So, you know, an, a neutral zone face-off in a 3-1 in a game during the second period is going to have less of an impact than a defensive zone draw when you're trying to, def to defend a one-goal lead late in the game. So I, I think it's just about, and I think Mike Sullivan has done a really good job of that, uh, about putting the right personnel on the ice in the right situation. So I don't know that it's necessarily about the face-off as much as about how you react and um, or maybe not even react, but how you just um, handle what comes to you in terms of, of where the face-offs are and what you're trying to accomplish there. So, you know, uh, um, 
I think the the Penguins have done a really good job this year of making sure that, you know, if they are trying to defend that two goal lead late in the game, they've pretty much always got two centers out there unless it's the the Crosby line. So um, I don't know that face offs are ever going to be something that, you know, like you said, that the top 10 teams are, are all teams that are probably going to miss the playoffs or at least most of them. So I don't know that it's ever going to be a situation where you're looking at it's like, all right, face offs are something that we need to, to hyper focus on to be a good team. But like I was saying, there's obviously those those moments that are going to be more important than others. Dane, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Uh, the, the Blue Jackets are here in Columbus, where Danny and I are located. Uh, we, we The first time we had you on here, we, we went through your history as being a player, uh, Penguin fan. Uh, now, do you wear your Penguins gear to the uh, arena? And every time it seems like, uh, the, a lot of times the Penguin fans take over that building uh, over the course of in recent years. Uh, I, what are your, some of your favorite memories of going to Penguin games at Nationwide Arena? So the the best Penguins game I've seen in Columbus, I believe it was game three of the 2017 playoffs when, when Jake Gensel had that hat trick and, and the OT mm. winner. Um, but that game was just absolutely phenomenal because that was when the um, Columbus fans were dubbed the the fifth line. And then that's when they had really seen the most success the franchises had up to that point. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't really seem like it right now because the Jackets aren't aren't contenders and probably aren't going to make the playoffs. But Columbus has become a pretty nice hockey town. And when the Jackets are good, this team really backs them. So at that point in time, the the arena was just absolutely popping. And I think the Jackets got out to like maybe a, a quick two nothing lead in that game. And just just the environment in there and, and the teams battling back and forth was absolutely outstanding. Um, but there there was another game. I want to say it was back in maybe like 2011. Um, I, I can't remember who was in goal for the Penguins, but it was it was one of the games they were wearing those baby blue sweaters that they wore yep. in the Winter Classic. And I I am convinced that 75, 75%, if not more, of the fans in that arena were Penguins fans. It was just an absolute takeover madness. They had Penguins fans riding the Zamboni in between periods, and it, it was just, <laughs> yes. it, it was quite a sight to see. So, um, but yeah, I, I always really enjoy going to the Pens Jackets games here, especially just because there's always such a good turnout from the Pens fans. And uh, yes, to answer your question, I will I will be posted up in my uh, reverse or not not even the reverse retro, the new alternate jersey that the Pens dropped this year. So, yeah, if you if you've never made it, if, if for Penguins fans that have never made the trip over here. It's first of all, it's a beautiful arena, much like PPG Paints Arena, and it, it is a very good atmosphere. I don't know if it's Islanders, Rangers, but the mix, the the strong mix of fans. It used to be that way with the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets, when the Blue Jackets could never win, and the Red Wings were still had those great teams. But it is a great atmosphere, and as Danny mentioned, when the when the when the Blue Jackets are decent, uh, it makes for a great rivalry. Uh, I mean, rivalry might be a strong word, but it, it makes for a certainly a great atmosphere. And Danny, you're absolutely right. One of the lowest moments, I think, in the, in the Blue Jacket franchise history from a PR standpoint was the night that uh, they gave out Zamboni rides to fans. And I think what it was, was it corresponded to the, 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 the ticket. In other words, it was a lottery and that, and a bunch of, I think what happened was Blue Jacket fans had sold their tickets to Penguin fans and you had Penguin fans riding the Zamboni, and it was a, it was a rough PR night for the for the local team. 
but it really is. It really, like I like said, Danny, it really is a good atmosphere. Is it not? No, 100%. And you know, I, it, it, it's not something that you've necessarily seen recently. Like I went to a, a lightning jackets game here a couple of weeks ago and the, the crowd was, it seemed like it was half full. That that wasn't what they announced, but it seemed like it was half full. And I swear nobody was paying attention to the game and, and, you know, the lightning went up big early. Um, so it, it, it wouldn't be something that you'd necessarily recognize just going to a, a random Tuesday night game in, in uh, January. But uh, Penguins games always make for a pretty good atmosphere. All right. All right. Good stuff. Uh, as always, we love having Danny on. He'll certainly be back here in the, in the coming weeks. And that's it for us this week uh, on the 606087 podcast. For Danny Shari, for the Hall of Famer Dave Montalere, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next week on DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, Podcasting Network.